This is Kick-Ass Politics. I'm Ben Mathis. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible has over 180,000 audiobooks available to download for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And right now, Kick-Ass Politics listeners can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Just go to audibletrial.com backslash kickasspolitics or click on the sponsor link on our webpage at kickasspolitics.com and go get your free audiobook. Hi there, folks. Welcome to Kick-Ass Politics. I'm your host, Ben Mathis. In yesterday's episode, I talked with Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, who's arguably the foremost expert on EMP, or an electromagnetic pulse. If you haven't listened to that episode, then I would definitely suggest that you go back and download part one first before you listen to this episode. As we discussed previously, an EMP is a phenomenon similar to an electric power surge during a lightning storm, but on a much, much larger and more devastating scale. An EMP, either caused naturally by a solar flare or created by a high-altitude nuclear detonation, has the power to crash the entire U.S. electric grid and send our entire country back to the Stone Age. It's been estimated that if the U.S. were struck with an EMP, Within a year of impact, 90% of Americans would die of starvation, disease, and societal collapse. It is a real and imminent threat to our very way of life here in America. A number of our enemies have already weaponized EMP with the stated goal of using it against the United States. And yet lawmakers have been dragging their feet when it comes to taking the relatively simple measures needed to protect America, including hardening the U.S. electric grid against an EMP. What's more, many in the mainstream media ignore, dismiss, and even mock the threat of an EMP attack as the stuff of science fiction and conspiracy theories. Why are so many people in power burying their heads in the sand when it comes to EMP? Well, we're going to get to the bottom of it in part two with Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, who is arguably the foremost expert on EMP. He's the executive director of the Task Force on National and Homeland Security and director of the U.S. Nuclear Strategy Forum. He served on the Congressional EMP Commission and frequently writes and speaks on the subject of EMP. He'll talk about the steps needed to protect our country from a natural or man-made electromagnetic pulse, He'll also expose the powerful lobby in Washington that's keeping President Obama and Congress from acting on those steps, and who's behind a deliberate disinformation campaign on EMP in the media and pop culture. All that and more in just a moment. to Washington, it's time for Kick-Ass Politics. And now here's your host, Ben Mathis. Today I'm joined again by Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, who served on the Congressional EMP Commission. Peter, in 2008, the commission on which you served put out a draft resolution of an executive order that the president could sign to take steps to secure the U.S. against an EMP. It's now seven years later, and there's no sign that President Obama is ever going to act on it. Congressman Trent Franks introduced a bill in the House called the SHIELD Act, 
but it's been trapped in committee. And similar legislation has passed the House only to die in the Senate. If countries like Russia, China, North Korea, and potentially even Iran have EMP weapons and intend to use them against the U.S., then why are we not moving on this like yesterday? I have to think that this is more than just a matter of lawmakers being asleep at the switch at this point. It's plain to see that there is a willful and deliberate resistance in Washington against protecting this country from an EMP. Peter, what's going on here? Yeah, I think I, I know exactly, and, uh, you know, the, the source of the, of the trouble, and it's called the North American Electrical Liability Corporation, or NERC. This is, they're supposed to be responsible. They're not a government agency. They basically belong to the electric power industry. They're paid for by the electric power industry. And they're supposed to provide for grid reliability uh, and protect the grid. That's what they're supposed to do in theory. But what they really are is a lobby to to fight against any government regulation that would require the electric power industry to do anything. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and that's what it is. Uh, that's why they've been against the GRID Act, the SHIELD Act. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, it's proposed by Democrats or Republicans. Anything that tells the industry, you've got to protect that grid, and we're going to inspect it to make sure you've done it. They don't want that because they, uh, they want to continue to operate unregulated, basically, by anybody but themselves when it comes to these national security issues. Um, uh, it isn't understood that the electric power grid is the last critical infrastructure that basically operates in a 19th century regulatory environment. Let me give you an example and try to better illustrate this. When an airplane crashes, you know, we don't leave it up to the airline industry to investigate the cause of the crash because they have an obvious self-interest. They might just blame it on pilot error, and there might be something mechanically wrong with that plane that would be expensive to fix, and they wouldn't, might not want to do that. So we have the FAA, you know, figure out what went wrong. You know, hundreds of people could die in an air crash, and even we Tea Party Republicans like myself, you know, want to be able to fly safely and know for sure that it's been done because you've got an independent party checking on it. Now, there's no one in the, in the U.S. government that has the equivalent authority over the electric power industry like a Federal Aviation Administration. A lot of people think that the U.S. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission has that kind of power, but when you really get into the charter, it, it doesn't. All the U.S. FERC can do is it can, it can ask the NERC, uh, it can task them to say, we want you to protect the grid, but we, they can't tell them how. They can't tell them how. Uh, they can ask them to come up with a plan, to come uh, what's called a standard in the industry. And then NERC can propose a standard to the U.S. FERC, and if the FERC doesn't like it, if it thinks the standard is inadequate, it, it can't tell them to change it. It has to, it has to reject the standard completely or accept it completely. Uh, and if it rejects it, then the process starts all over again. And what are the consequences of this? It's not just the EMP that they have tremendous resistance to. It's any kind of direction from U.S. FERC. And uh, one of, an example is, uh, the NERC was actually established in the aftermath of the Great Northeast Blackout of 2003. That was that falling tree branch I was talking about before. Right. That put 50 million Americans, actually it was 60 million Americans, into the dark. Okay, and uh, and so NERC was established in this partner uh, partnership. It was established in cooperation by negotiations between government and industry, and this and industry basically came up with this idea. This is how we're going to 
avoid future blackouts like that. Well, this back and forth coming up with a what was called a vegetation management standard. You know when that standard finally got passed so we can avoid another 2003 Great Northeast blackout? It got passed in 2013. It took <laughs> 10 years God. to negotiate a vegetation management standard. Protect the grid against falling tree branches. Better. These are the guys that, that, that claim that we can trust them to protect us against nuclear EMP and EMP from the sun and radio frequency weapons and all these mm-hmm. other kinds of threats, physical sabotage. And if you look across the board at all of them, cyber, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're basically not doing anything. And, uh, you know, it's just enormously frustrating, and they're actively lobbying against the bills at the level of Congress and succeeding. Take the GRID Act. Mm -hmm. You know, that was sponsored by liberal Democrats, you know, one of the most liberal members of the House, Ed Markey and Henry Waxman, you know, passed this, got together. But everybody voted for it. It was supported by the most conservative members. Right, it passed the House. Everybody in the House voted for it. Now, you think that that kind of unanimity, which was, I think it was probably the only bill that, that, that passed unanimously <laughs> in 2010, a very polarized year, that that would mean something to the Senate. But the Senate has a rule that any senator can put a hold on a bill he doesn't like, and he doesn't even have to take public responsibility for it. He can do it anonymously. Oh, and that's, what, and that's what happened to the GRID Act. So one guy over on the Senate you know, can neutralize the entire House of Representatives on a bill that's vital to the nation's security. So and, we don't even and, know uh, whose door to bang on in the Senate now. I'm saying if we, I, I can't, we can't even tell people to write in to a particular senator. We don't know who's holding it up. Is that what you're saying? Not for sure. Well, you know, I, I have my strong suspicions, but I am a congressional advisory board, and I have to work with these people. Right. So I, you know, <laughs> okay. uh, uh, one name I'll give you. I'll give you this name, uh, you know, Fred Upton. He's the chairman of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. As yeah. I've said this before, you know, this guy has been sitting on the SHIELD Act. He's a Republican, and this is the Republican bill. And, right. you know, Fred Upton himself, the GRID Act, when it was a Democrat bill, but now that he's the chairman of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, he won't get behind a Republican bill. And the reason for that is if you look at who gives him his campaign contributions, you know, it's, it's NERC in the electric power industry. So, uh, it's, it, it's amazing to me that the industry is resisting this so much because, I mean, if we have an EMP, they're out of business too. <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, for, for self-preservation, why on I, earth would they I, not I, act I'm on you, this? I'm, I'm glad you raised that, you know, because in this libertarian age, I am no fan of government regulation. Right. right? I'm a sure. Tea Party Republican. I believe in... This, making government as small as possible. I'm a, I'm a ardent believer in the in the private sector and in free enterprise, but I'm not an anarchist either. Okay, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, even the libertarian founding fathers realized we have a need for government. Okay, because when it comes to black swan events, when it comes to national security, that's why you need government. Industry's horizon is driven by their profit margins. If they have to worry about a hundred-year geomagnetic storm, once-in-a-century geomagnetic storm, or the possibility that uh, Iran might make a nuclear EMP attack, their reaction to that, they might pause and say, well, maybe I should spend some money on hardening the grid. But always the profit motive will overcome that, and they will okay. put that dollar in their pocket. 
okay. instead of spending it on, on, on something that's a remote down the road, what they perceive as, right. well, how do they know? And besides, and they'll always say to themselves, this is the government's responsibility. You know, maybe some the Department of Defense is responsible for this. The CIA is responsible for making this happen, not me. And um, and they're quite they're quite right that the government is responsible for protecting them. But the government doesn't, unless the government takes over control of the electric grid, which none of us want to happen. You know, the way we do this is through regulation. So we need to leave in our libertarian enthusiasms, and I have them too because we're all sick of big government, and we need to roll it back. Clearly, right. but the federal government does have the the obligation to provide for the common defense. Absolutely, and that's what the absolutely. founding fathers intended. Exactly, and 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 this is a case when we're talking about EMP and getting the electric power industry to do the right thing to protect their grid so that we will be safe. You know, this is the legitimate purpose of government, and and to kind of complete the thought that you had started with. It's a supreme irony, and comment also on the extreme dysfunction of Washington, that we have a president who is proud of uh, the fact that he's got a pen and a phone and wants to do all kinds of things uh, <laughs> by executive order. They're right. constitutionally at least controversial, okay? Yeah. Uh, but, but, but the one thing he could do that is well within the bounds of the Constitution and that would benefit everybody, the man for some reason will not do it. Okay, Peter, so let's talk dollars and cents here. What would it cost for us to harden the U.S. electric grid against an EMP and to really do this right? Well, the, um, the EMP commission estimated that it would cost about $2 billion to protect the electric grid. Oh, that's a drop in the bucket. Protect, <laughs> it is a drop in the bucket. It's what we give away every year in foreign aid to Pakistan. Yeah. You know, it, who it isn't even our friend. You know, if we suspended foreign aid to Pakistan for one year and spent it on the American people instead, you know, we could we could harden the electric grid against all of these threats I've been talking about, the worst of them being nuclear EMP. But if you're hardened against nuclear EMP, it mitigates all the lesser all the other threats, including cyber attacks and physical sabotage and severe weather. All right, Peter. So let's imagine that you're the president and you can fix this problem with the stroke of a pen, which as we said, President Obama could do if he wanted to do. So you're the president what would be the first steps that you would take to protect the homeland against an EMP? That depends on, you know, there are many plans, and you can spend more or less depending upon the plan. Mm -hmm. You know, I would tell, order them to immediately harden the nuclear reactors and the uh, EHV transformers that are associated with them, you know, uh, you know, because they can have some of the most catastrophic consequences if they go Fukushima. Also, and if you, if you protect the transformers that are associated with the nuclear reactors, uh, the nuclear reactors could then, uh, you know, become an enormously uh, useful asset to us to recover the country from uh, uh, the rest of the country from a blackout. You know, because you've got a lot of energy in the oh, electrical energy in those nuclear reactors, uh, so that so that we wouldn't have to deal with the problem of a black start. A black yeah. start is when the whole grid is down, and and everything is in blackout. You know, okay. Uh, okay. Never so even, rebuilding from the ground up. Yeah, nobody knows if you if we can come back from that. It's never even been exercised. You know, even assuming the equipment wasn't destroyed. You know, uh, 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 you know, if somehow you replace the equipment, and everything, and then you all said, well, okay, we're going to throw the switch to bring it back. You know, we've replaced all the damaged equipment and everything. <laughs> nobody knows if you can do it. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Uh, but we do know 
that if you've got some of the lights on somewhere, you know, some sources of power, it, it makes it much, much easier. Maybe it may, uh, it may not even be possible to do it without it, but there's a, so much energy in those nuclear reactors, and they're geographically distributed, mostly over the eastern grid, which is the most important part of, uh, of, uh, of, of the grid for maintaining our civilization, because as I said, most people live under the eastern grid. That, that would accomplish two things at once. It would, it would eliminate the threat to us from the reactors going Fukushima, and it would be an enormous asset because now we would have these, these uh, sources of electric power that we know would be there and would not be taken out that we could use to uh, restore the grid. So that's the first thing I do. The next thing I do is protect all the, uh, all the 2,000 DHV transformers that are in the country. You know, because they take so long to build, and it's so hard to replace them. We don't even build them in this country anymore. We have to import them from overseas. It takes 18 months to just build one of them. Hmm. And they weigh hundreds of tons. It's very hard to replace an EHV transformer once it's destroyed. You know, people don't realize these things are as big as a house. They weigh hundreds of tons. I think there's only two railway flatbed cars in the whole country that can carry EHV transformers, just two. We have 2,000 of them that might need to be replaced if they're not protected. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, the global, they're also very complex and hard to build. You know, you can't mass produce them. Uh, each one is handcrafted and, and, and has a special role in its part on the grid. And um, I think the worldwide ability to produce EHV transformers is, is less than 200 a year. And we have, we have 2,000 of them. So, uh, you don't have to do the math to figure out that losing those transformers is, yeah. you know, a death sentence, basically. Scary. The skaters at the same time, I mean, I would protect those and start, for, I'd stop buying any skaters from China. You're kidding me, I would me. say China? any skaters, in fact, anything that's vital to the security of the United States and to the lives of the American people go into our critical infrastructures, whether it's the electric grid, or the telecommunication system, or anything else, has to be bought in the USA. You know, uh, no more of this importing SCADAs and other critical technology from China or other countries that are hostile to us, you know. Uh, uh, is it just that you're concerned that these SCADAs from China could be flawed or just unreliable? Or could it be more sinister than that? Are you saying that there's a possibility that China might be deliberately sabotaging the SCADAs they're selling us? There have been cases where we found logic bombs embedded in SCADAs that have been imported from China. Wow, and uh, this would this is like trusting the Chinese to build our aircraft carriers and our fighter airplanes for us, you know. Well, you know, it makes right. no sense to do that. Wow, um, so they could launch an EMP against us, and then we might not be able to recover because of the equipment that we bought from them. <laughs> That's shocking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, uh, you know, uh, you could. Uh, I mean, it's easy to imagine that they could coordinate an attack. And they've sold us SCADAs that are actually designed to fail at the right time to maximize our problems for us. It's very disturbing to think that we might have critical technology already in service that essentially is a ticking time bomb. That is scary stuff. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and then I'll be back to talk more with Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. Back in just a moment. This portion of the podcast is sponsored by Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R. -R. You've heard me rave about Fiverr before. 
Fiverr is the world's largest online marketplace for services with over a hundred categories all offered at a fixed base price of just $5. Logo design, business consulting, marketing, business cards, stationery, web design, translation, proofreading, legal consulting, and just about any other service you can imagine, all offered at a base price of just $5. In fact, you know the announcer who does the intro to Kick-Ass Politics? I found him on Fiverr a professional radio announcer to do our intro for just $5. And right now, when you go to kickasspolitics.com and click on the Fiverr ad on our sponsor page, you'll be showing your support for the show and you'll get some great offers on services tailored to your needs. Whatever you need done, find it on Fiverr. And if you like Kick-Ass Politics and want to help keep us on the air, then please support the show by making a donation to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com backslash kickasspolitics. Or go to the show website and click on the donate link. Your support will help keep us producing new and even more interesting programs in the future. That's gofundme.com backslash kickasspolitics. And now, back to the show. We're back, and I'm talking with Dr. Peter Vincent Pry about the electricity industry's efforts to stall legislation to protect the grid from an EMP attack and other threats. It seems to me that the threat of EMP gets very little coverage in the established news media. Uh, and I said most Americans probably only know about EMP from movies like The Matrix, or I think EMP has figured into a couple of James Bond films. Uh, and maybe they've heard it from doomsday prepper shows and conspiracy sites, which I think leaves many people with the misimpression that EMP is just science fiction or the ramblings of, a, of certain Art Bell coast-to-coast -coast AM conspiracy types instead of actual scientifically proven phenomenon that has happened and will happen again. And during the break, you said something very interesting to me. You said, this is no accident. The energy industry wants us to believe that EMP isn't a real threat or even a real thing. Talk more about that. Well, you're right, despite, despite the fact that I think there's actually been strenuous efforts by the first the EMP Commission and then by many good people in the media who care about this and want to draw public attention to it, it really doesn't get the attention it deserves. I, I think it should be mentioned... I don't see it on CNN barely, or Fox News. Yeah, I, I, right. I tend to wonder if this, I doubt that this will even come up during the presidential debates over the next year. Uh, yeah, it, it baffles me. And he got criticized by the New York Times uh, for, uh, for, uh, for, uh, for spouting science fiction. You know, the New York Times didn't right. realize that it was a real thing. But defense scientists who understand the reality, you know, up against you know, an army of, of Zerk lobbyists. And so I suppose I shouldn't be surprised that uh, that so many people still don't understand that this is a real threat. Yeah, well, that's interesting that you say that NERC in the industry are purposely spreading this kind of misinformation. I have an example just today. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a bill uh, was introduced by Senator Hall in, into, the, uh, into the Senate to protect the Texas grid. And uh, and uh, ERCOT, which is the uh, the utility in Texas, combined with the Edison Electric Institute, which is one of the minions of NERC, they they sort of do NERC's dirty work on hmm. on uh, junk science things. Uh, have done exactly what I've been telling you. They sent a flyer to all to the members of the Senate to tell them 
uh, don't worry, this isn't a real, the CMP isn't a real threat. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's so irrational that it combines arguments that are contradictory. EMP isn't Amazing. a real threat. It's the responsibility of the Department of Defense to protect us from EMP, not industry. Well, if it's not a real threat, why does the Department of Defense have to protect anybody, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so, so we're on top of it. We're on top of it. We've got the best scientists and experts in the world. Well, why do they need to be on top of something that is a, is a fictional threat? You know, so anyway, the That's one good thing that is that their arguments are so self-contradictory that one hopes that an intelligent reader will pick yeah. up and say, wait a minute, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but that, that's fascinating to me that, you know, there's it sounds like you're saying that there's a, a purposeful uh, uh, attempt by the industry to relegate the concept of EMP to the tinfoil hat crowd and keep it out of legitimate media or established media, just the idea of EMP from getting any kind of credibility. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're basically trying to cover it up, you know. Wow. But, uh, you know, uh, most of it, you know, has been classified for 50 years. And, you know, it's mm. only when the EMP commission came along that Dr. Graham said, you know, look at, we now know that everybody except the American people knows about EMP. All of our enemies know about it. Yeah. They're planning to use it against us. And if we expect to get the civilian critical infrastructures protected, how can we do that without telling them? I mean, what yeah. we were talking about today when I was back in the CIA would have all been classified. and I would have been able to talk about it. And, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons I think people are in such profound ignorance about it. But in terms of how much attention, you know, does it get? I think it should be mentioned, you know, every night on Fox News. Every time they talk about the Iranian nuclear weapons program, they should also be talking about why we should care about it. And the biggest reason we should care about it is the EMP threat, you know? So I right. agree with, I certainly agree that it hasn't received nearly the amount of attention that it, uh, you know, right. that it deserves. And, uh, and and the president helps that effort where the nuclear EMP is concerned. You know, yeah. uh, I think he has an interest in. He's so desperate to get that treaty with Iran. Yeah. Uh, you know, he doesn't want the American people to know that. You know, if I'm wrong about this, and these guys get just <laughs> one bomb. Yeah. You know, they could kill you and your children and wipe this whole country out. I mean, and North Korea can already do it. To make an admission like that, you know. To throw that into the mix when people weigh, well, should we let the treaty go forward and support the president on this? And, and how much blame should we give him for the fact that North Korea has basically become, is a growing nuclear threat on his watch? You know, admitting that the nuclear EMP threat is real and present danger and everything is uh, not in his political interest, you know, yeah. as he sees it, as he interprets it. Um, well, but you... I have to give him credit that he obviously did not do anything to stop NORAD from spending $700 million right. to protect itself and move into Cheyenne Mountain. Well, I guess that's a start, but it's just baffling to me that more people aren't paying attention to this threat. Me too, and, uh, and it's so frustrating, uh, you know, that uh, we're, we're not spending a small amount of money and taking the modest steps that would be needed to protect ourselves against this. It's just, you know, yeah, it's just very disturbing, uh, you know. But beyond that, Let's, let's not look to Washington for everything. My task force has been going to the states because you can, the state public utilities commissions and the state legislatures and governors have the power to protect the grids within their states. And it is technically possible to do what the EMP, and the EMP commission actually recommended that the states do what's called islanding their grids. Even though a state grid is part of a larger regional grid, 
you know, if you install the surge arresters and the Faraday cages and the blocking devices, yeah. these are passive defenses, and they don't affect the way the grid operates on a day-to-day basis. Okay. But they will come into action if there's an EMP attack or some other kind of an event like that. Interesting. So that your state grid, so that your state grid will be saved, and then and 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 the people within that state will have electricity. Uh, so Maine, it's basically a surge it, protector to protect your particular state. That's right. Okay. And uh, and this would be good for your neighbors too, the neighboring states. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, because again, they wouldn't have to come back from a black start. True. Uh, and, and so far, Maine, Virginia, and Arizona have passed bills to protect their protect their peoples from EMP and to move in that direction. You know, all the answers don't have to come out of Washington, and the founders never planned that we should have to rely on Washington for everything. Okay, so there's a ray of hope at the state level. Well, when the EMP apocalypse hits, I guess the rest of us will have to rely on Virginia, Texas, and Arizona to bail us out. Uh, let's hope that more states follow suit. You know, maybe this could be, be the beginning of a positive trend if the states say, I'm not waiting for Washington anymore. I'm going to take my feet in my own hands and provide for the security of my people right here in this state, and we're going to do the job ourselves. I mean, this is a nightmarish scenario. It's like the day the earth stood still. Uh, folks have got to start pressuring the lawmakers on this uh, because I don't want to even imagine what's going to happen if we get caught too late on this. And let me add another thought in terms of what people can do. Uh, and and pe- I would urge people to write to their member of Congress that they should, and their, their senator that they should join the Congressional EMP Caucus and they should support passage of the Critical Infrastructure Protection Act. The Critical Infrastructure Protection Act. That's a bill that's, that's in, in front of the House now. Okay. We have high hopes that this time we might be able to pass it. Is there a website where people can go to support this and to take action on this? Uh, yeah. there's a uh, My task force has a website called emptaskforce.org. And uh, our task force has published some books you know, under my name and the name of other members of our task force. One of them is called Electric Armageddon, and the other is called Apocalypse Unknown. And okay. both of those are available from uh, Amazon.com or okay. uh, CreateSpace.com. Definitely check that out. Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. Good luck in getting this out there, and hopefully we'll get some meaningful action out here, and hopefully... NORAD moving back underground is is a sign that the government's starting to actually take this seriously. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, uh, giving me a forum for this uh, esoteric, but uh, most important <laughs> of all, national security issues. Yeah. And, 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 and just by knowing now, you and your audience have become part of the solution. I certainly hope so. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate your coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, that's the show, folks. Pretty scary stuff. Thanks again to Dr. Peter Vincent Pry for coming on the show to spread the word about the looming disaster of an electromagnetic pulse. And I'll tell you, if you don't want you and your family to be living in a mud hut one day, then now's the time to start yelling at your reps in Washington. And I'll give you a piece of advice. Emails and phone calls are one thing, but nothing gets their attention like an actual physical letter sent through the old U.S. Postal Service. Trust me on this. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you can automatically get new episodes as they become available. And while you're there, I'd appreciate it if you left us a review. That helps a lot with the show's rankings on iTunes. 
And if you like kick-ass politics and want to help keep us on the air, then please support the show by making a donation to our GoFundMe campaign at GoFundMe.com backslash kickasspolitics. Or go to the show website and click on the donate link. Your support will help keep the lights on over here and will be greatly appreciated. That's GoFundMe.com backslash kickasspolitics. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickasspolitics.com or leave a voicemail on the toll-free listener hotline at 844-KA-POLITICS. We'll lighten things up a bit in the next episode when I talk with John Tamney. He's the editor of realclearmarkets.com and a political economy editor for Forbes magazine. He's got a new book called Popular Economics, What the Rolling Stones, Downton Abbey, and LeBron James Can Teach You About Economics. He'll pull back the curtain to explain how economics is one of the simplest and most basic disciplines to understand, because according to him, everyone is an economist, and economics is, well, life. He'll also explain how the Dallas Cowboys and Paris Hilton are excellent examples of good and bad tax policy, and how movies like The Godfather and Gone with the Wind reveal the downside of antitrust regulation. So be sure to download the next episode. I promise it'll be fun. Until then, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass Politics. Kick-Ass Politics is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.